Hello, and welcome back to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. Today we have a special guest, Katie Keene, from Her Heart and Home podcast. Welcome to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. I'm Erin. And I'm Amanda. This is the podcast to encourage moms that have been at this homeschooling gig longer than five years and plan on sticking with it through the high school years. The long haulers, as we like to say. We want to help you have the greatest of all time homeschool that meets the needs of your family by encouraging you with real conversations on the issues that pop up as you've been in this homeschool lifestyle for years. So it'll be fun to try and see if there's people out there that need the encouragement and if there's anything that we can do to help others as they get started on their journey. That'd be awesome. That's what we're here for. Katie, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. So why don't we get started with just a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you minister to homeschool families? Sure, absolutely. So I am a homeschooling mom of five kids. They range in age from 18 all the way down to eight. Two have had very unique special learning or just profound disability challenges. (laughs) And so that has definitely given me a wide range of I would suppose, skills in helping kids of all ability learn all the way from gifted to kids who can't speak or really communicate. And I am a military child who said I was never moving again. I became a military wife. So I I love people. I love cultures. I love adventure. And I feel like homeschooling has been a really great adventure for our family, one that we never expected to have, especially in the varied range of learning types that we've experienced. And yes, I do host her Home and Heart podcast, which used to be Family Success Secrets. I just recently relaunched that with a more narrowed focus on homeschooling families and teaching them how to live in a really holistic way that also just benefits how they run their home so they can just be so much happier at home. Excellent. I think we all need to listen to those tips that you might have. I will say too, I was also a military child. I did not marry someone in the military, but I... I not really thought of it that way where, you know, like homeschooling as this adventure because you're constantly changing where you live and where you go to school or what you do or who you are around. So I think that maybe there's something to that connection. I know a lot of homeschoolers that homeschool because their parents or their families are military. And that was something that I'd always ask my mom, please, can you homeschool me? Because I had friends that were homeschooled growing up when we lived on base and stuff, and she didn't homeschool me, but that was something I always wanted. So let's dive right into what you talk about on your podcast and connect all those dots for us. Sure. I have a wide range because if you look at the word holistic and its meaning, you can talk about mind, body, and spirit. And I feel that those are all very important elements in living in a homeschool environment because we have to have healthy bodies to learn. It's important if our mental health is going well and definitely our spiritual life as a Christian homeschooling family is very vital, especially for the parents who are leading the family. In our home, we have established even further a family government. And so we really do have an ecosystem in our home and even an economy so our children can learn to be financially responsible It's really been fun. It's helped them develop to be much more independent and really just to be able to learn and chase their passions with a sense of responsibility. So how did you get into the holistic part of your homeschooling journey? Did that come from the struggles that you were seeing with your children or was that pre-children? 
Yes. One of my earliest memories, surprisingly, is going to the health food store with my mother because her mother died of breast cancer. So I did have an influence in that way to begin with, but nothing that would have significantly directed me into the emphasis that I now place on it as being such a vital part of family health as I have now. This really has developed because of the challenges that my kids have had, and we have watched them do things that doctors said they would never do. And we've been able as a family, if you look at very many special needs families, you'll find that they're divorced. You'll find that oftentimes the kids really, nobody knows what to do with them. The siblings will become bitter. The mothers, there's some studies Moms of autistic kids have a higher than average cancer rate. There's a lot to what can happen when a special needs family is under this chronic stress for such a long time. And a lot of the time, the community doesn't know how to support them. So over time, with us being a military family as well, we didn't always have family nearby. We did have to really develop, I would say, like survival skills that led us to how to take care of us so that we could take care of them, and then how to still fulfill our dream and what we believed God was calling us to, which was to raise thriving, healthy kids, not kids who withered under the pressure that we were experiencing due to all the health. That touches on so many things that I have questions on now. So my family is an adoptive family. We We were foster parents for about seven years. So when you're talking about the different special needs in the state of Missouri, every child in foster care is considered special needs because of the trauma and things. So we have two children that fall in that category. And what you're saying is so true. We've seen so many marriages torn apart or, um, like you said, bitterness with the kids. So how do you develop a very strong family system to combat some of those traumatic things that happen so that you can have a really healthy family? Yeah. The very first most important thing really truly does begin with our faith foundation. If we don't understand what God has designed for a family, then we can't truly thrive because that is the most important element. But from there, we can also create systems, not systems that run us, but that support us. So like home frameworks, which is some of the stuff that we will eventually be teaching people next year, probably in January, we'll be working towards teaching people this, where you can set up a framework where everything is preset in your house. So there's no surprises. Mom and dad aren't suddenly trying to figure out, well, how do I discipline this kid who just did whatever they did? And then there's anger and there's anxiety. And then you may have a consequence you've given that punishes the parent. Oops. Been there. Um, and then, yeah. Yep. And then you have to take it back. And what does that teach the kid? Whereas if you know you're already in a pressure cooker environment and you've pre-set up a family government, you can post everything. We tell families, we've had friends ask us for this system, post everything where you can see it after you've had family meetings, after you and your husband have come to agreements, after you've chatted with the kids about it, you post it. So that when you're in that moment of emotional thinking and not rational thinking, because you can't believe the kid just did whatever it was again, you don't have to react. You can be proactive. You already put up on the wall what was going to happen. You can grieve with the child then instead of being angry or full of anxiety where you're feeling like a failure as a parent. You can say to the kid, oh, buddy, I'm so sorry you did that. Oh, man, I know you're going to learn from this and you're going to do it better. And then you can calmly enforce the consequence that was already pre-established and already explained to the child. So they still feel safe. And in fact, they even feel safer because there is a set of boundaries. They know the rules. There's not this sudden vacillating of emotion and unknown 
structure. They feel safe in that container and you can too. So it makes a big difference. I like that. When you say posting, you're like literally putting post-it notes on a wall. Is that what you're doing? Or how are you posting things? We handmade signs, slipped them into little plastic cases and tape them to the front door for us. In different houses as we've moved, we've relocated it. So it's in our most commonly passed through area in any of the houses that we've been in. And we will frequently, when needed, call family meetings to that, whether it's a hallway or a mudroom or here in this house, the front door. We will call family meetings and the children know, okay, we have a problem here in this house. We go to the front door and we're, we've even got, we've got scripture posted there, never used negatively, always used lovingly as a tr- teaching and training and discipleship tool. And our family laws are there and just the outlines of our family government. It's been really useful. Wow. So how did you come up with the family government system that you're using in your family? A lot of trial and error Mm -hmm. and purchasing probably every system out there I could find over the Mm -hmm. last, really since my 18 and a half year old was two, because my husband was constantly deployed and my daughter was very sick. So she was one of our two special needs children and I had to survive and I had to raise a toddler without, you know, when you get to that point of exhaustion, it's tempting to yell. And so enough times of yelling, and I said, that's enough. I am not raising my child this way. I will not be that person. How can I support myself? So I started purchasing all these different things and trying them with him. And over enough years of implementation and moving around and trying new things, we put all of it together. And it's great. It's really, it's worked well. So you've hit on something that's really important to acknowledge. And I think that is that a lot of the household management falls on the mom, whether that's because your husband's deployed or maybe dad's not engaged or he works long hours. So can you speak to that mom who's maybe at that point where you're just frazzled and fried and need a solution right now? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I would say is ask for help. And that is something that everyone will say usually first thing. I don't have anyone who can help me. Let's get scrappy. (laughs) Someone (laughs) will help you. It's just a matter of really, you can pray over who it might be. It doesn't mean you have to leave your kids alone with anybody. Just even if you just simply have someone come over and have them help clean, you can be right there with the kids while they do it. Taking care of your body, making sure you're just drinking enough water and getting enough sleep. That's huge. I know for me, some of my biggest parenting failures are connected to me not resting well enough. Because then just like a little kid who's having a meltdown because they're overtired, adults do it too in our weird adult way. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, I think for a mom, just being willing to ask for help and really looking at how can she mother herself a little bit in those moments is really a big deal. I love that. Do you have any questions? I was just thinking and mulling over when my youngest, I have three boys and my youngest is special needs. And as he's gotten older, those needs have gotten better. So those are not things that necessarily affect him now as they did when he was younger, but he didn't sleep through the night until he was seven. (laughs) So there was a lot. And then I wonder why my thyroid's mad at me. (laughs) I've been there. Or you're talking about that. And it's difficult to find someone that really empathizes with that plight. If I really want to throw a shocker out there to a group of moms, I say, my son was seven years old when he learned how to sleep through the night with a weighted blanket. So that's hard to find your people 
in that. But like you were saying, with praying over it and coming to some kind of maybe even having some type of meditation, if you can figure that out and just having calm in your mind, that's something that helped me to like figure out what we can do proactively to help take care of this, whatever that ends up being. And of course, the weighted blanket was a lifesaver for us. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> You're a believer as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was just drinking in all everything that you were saying because I, it resonates with me. And I know that as you're moving around considerably, that is your family government and what you have posted up on the door is the main consistency that these kids have. And so that's a theme that I'm hearing a lot of is really having something that's consistent, even when your environment is not. But like I know people that they split duties of the children where when mom's working, the kids are at home with dad. And when dad's working, they're home with mom. And sometimes that consistency can fall through the cracks. But having a system like this, I kept thinking about it being maybe like a chore chart, but it's not a chore chart. This is something completely different than a chore chart because where all of our hopes and dreams go to die is in a brand new chore chart as moms, right? This is something completely different. This is like something that the whole family can really wrap around and take comfort in. And so that would be something consistent, regardless of your familial situation, like what Aaron was saying, where there's dads that work long hours or what have you. So I'm just enjoying listening to all of that. So just keep talking. Tell us more. <laughs> so I actually have to say that our tour charts also went to die until we established our family government. There you go. Because yeah. tour charts can create tension if you don't have an appropriate established, what do we do if they don't do the chores? Unless you're someone who just really likes to do the whole money thing. And some parents do that. And that's a very simple way, but we chose not to do real dollars. So we did our family government and then we layered in for the older children an economy. And that was fun that, but we had our government to help establish the rules for the chore charts. <laughs> so how does your economy Excellent. work? Can you give us the rundown? That is a whole course in itself, but yes, I can give you the basics. <laughs> So we literally set up an actual system where the children have to, through their daily tasks, including their homeschool, earn a certain amount per day. And of that certain amount, we have it divided into what their expenses would be, what if they do a really good job, they would earn extra. And then they will spend their extra in a way where we have set up for them to save some. We really went through budgeting, but now we were using the very defined high-level version with the older kids. This is not something we use with younger kids. With the younger kids, it has to be very basic, very basic. But with the older kids, we literally had them understanding how it works with gas and transportation, how it works with rent, how it works with food, how it works with electricity, how it works with savings for emergencies, regular savings, and even for spending and fun money. And they really have loved it. It's not something we've had to actually do long-term. What's really nice is once you implement something like that long enough, they just get it and then they get old enough and they just live like that. Then they start getting jobs and they already know how to save. They already know how to spend, what they can spend. There's no arguing. They just get it. It's ingrained. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that sounds like mm -hmm. a great system. I want to see that. So I want to see the government on your wall in your house, Erin. Next time I come <laughs> over, she's got a lot more kids than I do and they're a lot younger. I could totally see you doing that, Erin. I want to come see it. So let me know when you, know, you have that up. 
My problem is I will establish a system and I'm terrible about following up with it. So my kids even make fun of me now, which is like terrible, but they're like, okay, so we're going to do that for a week and then we're going to forget about it. And (laughs) so I have a couple that really call me out on that. So how do you stay structured in your structure? Because that's a struggle for me. One key to that really is posting it in a public place because it Mm -hmm. can become a security blanket for mom and dad. The kids are fighting again. Oh, oh, walk to where it's posted. Go back over the family government rules. Let's talk about what's supposed to happen. We've already decided. I don't have mm-hmm. to think about it right now while I'm feeling frustrated and stressed out. Right. And maybe I didn't have coffee or maybe I haven't eaten enough or whatever. It's there. So you're like running toward it Yeah, <laughs> to help you. It's a safety net. It's a framework that supports you. And so because of that, It's easy to keep that maintained. And as the children get used to it, again, just like with the economy, they don't have to be reminded as often. You'll find yourself going there less and less, except in spurts. You know how kids Mm -hmm. are, a couple that just go through spurts of arguing and it's just terrible. But (laughs) at least that's there. And we revisit a few times a day during those seasons. And we don't have to because they get used to it. And it becomes the family code. It's the way we live. Mm -hmm. It's part of our family identity or community or it just is how we decided to live as a and I think that would be really helpful for everybody to be on that same page because then the accountability piece makes it a little bit more this is just what we do it's not about feelings it's not about anger or frustration it's just this is what we do that's really encouraging I'm gonna Mm -hmm. have to try that tip Amanda when you come over on Thursday (laughs) make sure there's a post-it on the wall somewhere okay (laughs) yes it become also becomes more about what what we've designed, you know, what's on the wall and less about what mom or dad has said, right? Mom said, uh, dad said, uh, no, we're going to go visit this. And this Mm -hmm. is what we've all, and you even talk about it as you're putting it together. So it's something that's agreed upon. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The government doesn't make a new law without letting you know before it's been implemented. And then when you implement, you need to really have practice time where the consequences are far less. Because people are still getting used to it. Just make sure it's Mm -hmm. finite. And make sure you decide on it all with your husband first. And then inform the children and listen well to them. Listen for their feedback. They don't get to make the decisions, but they need to be heard because they are also part of this, I guess, democracy. Oh, I love all of these tips. They're so wonderful. So when you talk about home stewardship and holistic living, that really, I feel like, comes from mom a lot. I don't know if that's your experience. I don't know many husbands that are like, I was researching this holistic thing. Maybe there are those guys out there. So how do you transition your home maybe from where there's lack of structure or your homeschooling? I feel like when I talk to a lot of moms, they're at that burnout stage and that doesn't happen overnight. That happens for a lot of reasons over time and it just compounds. So how do you get from that burnout phase or stage and rein it into being a good steward, because I think that's the crux of it is sometimes when we're the most frustrated, it's because we are not stewarding our time, our resources. Yep. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, you just answered it. Like you can get to the burnout stage because you're not stewarding things properly. And in a life like mine, for example, where we have all these extra needs and extra requirements, my kiddo who's almost 10 cannot take care of himself at all, not even a little bit. And so we do, as a family, have to be very aware of how are we stewarding our home, our money, our time, 
all the different resources, our energy, our relationships, because stress can really impact that. And so for a mom who's burned out, I think first just offering herself grace and forgiveness is really important because I think we get so down on ourselves and we compare ourselves to every mom who's faking it on Facebook and all the Pinterest things that aren't real because no one lives there. And then we think, oh, we're failing. Whereas No, when we're not supposed to be looking out there, God gave us our family and our home and our life. And so to really be able to give ourselves room to just say, you know what? It's okay. What's done is done. Let's just look forward, forgive each other and myself for what's gone on and start over fresh with a lot of forgiveness. It's huge. If you don't let things go, you can't move forward. Oh, yeah. I I think too, a lot of this, can stem from mom not feeling well. Maybe in my case, over the last two years, I've been on a real health journey, my own self, working with a functional med doctor just to clear up some things and finding out adrenal fatigue. That's a huge issue or thyroid issues. There's so many moms out there that are burning the candle at both ends all the time and then they snap or that's the yelling component of the homeschool day. Have you seen that in your community of homeschool moms or how do you address that? Chronic illness, things like Hashimoto's or even toxic mold exposure, which I myself have dealt with. These days, Lyme's disease is humongous. Mm -hmm. Dealing with ADHD, even in the kids can create mom to have this overload. It's a really big deal and it's very important. It's actually something I'm considering focusing on in January on the podcast because just like you with the functional medicine doctor, we've also had to do a lot of that because we've had so many medical issues with our kids and ourselves. And health is a huge element, which is why I believe home is so holistic. If you don't have a government and everyone's running wild, you have a problem. If you don't have a healthy relationship with the Lord, then a lot of things are going to be off. And if your body feels bad, mom's depressed, dad has joint pain, the kids are ricocheting off the walls, it's a lot harder to homeschool, spend quiet time peacefully with the Lord, or even just function as a family or establish a government. You can't get out of bed, which I have found myself before. And that is not a good place. You do not want to be there. Yeah. Taking care of your body is tremendous. And there are some really amazing ways to do that, that are patented and researched and that people don't know about that are very natural. So it is something I'm considering doing a series on. That's exciting. I can't wait to listen. I was listening to your podcast earlier and it's just, I mean, and I started this to encourage other moms who've been homeschooling for quite a while. And that was the catalyst for this. We didn't really have a plan. (laughs) It's just, let's just get on there. So I love talking to you and other moms that are, we're homeschool moms. We're family women. We want to be at home with our kids and then to put ourselves out there and share things that we're learning. I just, I have a great respect for other women who are trying to reach into the homes in a positive way, not just the pretty Pinterest photos or the Instagram slides or the reels now. And so maybe we could talk a little bit about that, how those social media things have impacted our stewardship or homemaking over the last couple of years. Yeah. I think even just this constant staring at the phone all the time that I see Mm -hmm. when I go out to the stores, you see the kids with it in front of their face. There's no longer that same connection. And something I posted in my group recently was just how valuable the connection between the eye contact. You need that as a little person to develop properly. You need eye contact. And so I think just being willing to set the phone down or establishing boundaries 
for ourselves with how much we're on screens, how much our children are on screens, that's probably the first place because not everyone's addicted to Pinterest. Not everyone's addicted to Mm -hmm. Facebook, but we know for a fact, and there's science to back it, that phones themselves are addictive. They're made to be that way. It's a new drug. So we have to keep that in the forefront of our mind and then recognize that neurodevelopmentally, our children's brains are going to be rewired in ways we may not prefer if we let them on screens too much. And we're setting them up for a potential life of addiction because we aren't monitoring that and we're not stewarding that aspect of our family life or our children's development. That's a huge problem. So beginning there just by limiting it, and then probably I would say I really dislike social media. I really find it is anxiety producing for me. So I think probably for women, maybe they should pray over it. I find that is the most effective thing. Just pray over where is God really leading you to? supposed to influence women on social media. That is the only reason I get on there is because I want to reach out to other Mm -hmm. women. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on there. And I wasn't for seven and a half years prior to my podcast starting. I was not on social media. But praying over where is the Lord directing you to? If you don't have a real reason to be on there, you know, figure out what the Lord wants you to do. Is that half hour a day? Is that not at all? Where is that balance? I think there's a lot of self-awareness that needs to happen, especially when using these things. I think it was Jill Savage. I don't know if you know her from some of the homeschool mom hearts at home, I think is what she had. And she would say, is it a tool? Is it a toy? Or is it a tangent? And are we using these things in the way that they're intended? Or are we making being on Facebook all day? Is this really a tool? Or is it a tangent that I'm on? Or am I just playing? Because it is very tempting to see, oh, someone is doing this. Or what are we doing for this? Yeah. I love all your tips. It can be seen as easier than parenting and easier than doing what we're called to. Harder to go and train our children for the ninth time on the same issue in the last 30 minutes, kind and loving attitude, than it is to keep scrolling through the feed Mm -hmm. pretending you don't hear them. Yeah. (laughs) So I was going to say it's a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. A big thing. Yeah. Yeah. But It's robbing from us because if you look down the road, when the kids come home for Christmas and they're adults, they're finished with whatever life in your house, whatever that season is, and they come home, what do you want to have built? What kind of relationship do you want to have had there? And that is impacted by those little, tiny, minuscule Mm -hmm. choices that we make every single day. It's very cats in the cradle. Sorry. (laughs) Yes. Go listen to that song if you haven't heard it. That is why I chose to get off social media for seven and a half years, because I figured out I was doing that too much. I was staring at this thing and not at my babies. And I knew that time was limited. And so for me, it was all or nothing, done. And I just shut it off. The day my Mm -hmm. fifth one was born, that was it. Closed it off. So it matters. It does. I know some people that they remove the apps from their phone and they only have the social media like during their sit-down computer time. So they're at a desk then they can scroll facebook while they're at the desk and then when they have to get up and go do things and they that's it for the day and so that works mm-hmm. for some people too that's just something else that yeah. so you don't have the apps on your phone make- yeah and my kids too like i've been guilty of that my kids are like, you're always on your phone i'm always on the go and so checking my email or getting back to corresponding with someone or scheduling a field trip there are things that i'm actually doing on my phone so i try to explain that to them like i'm not just scrolling <laughs> i am working here and it's hard to distinguish sometimes, but I do take that feedback of if they're saying something, 
they're noticing something. So then I scale it back or I do, like Amanda said, try to just do it on the computer or when I'm sitting because it is, I think we get sucked in because maybe we are struggling with something really challenging or we don't feel that great or we are tired and it is easier sometimes to just turn our focus towards things that just don't really matter instead of dealing with the things right in front of us. So I love this conversation. I just feel like there's so many great reminders of what we can be doing. And like you said, all with grace, I can look at myself and be like, oh, my kid said I was on screens too much today. <laughs> I am a terrible mom, but I can use that as a constructive thing, the feedback to them of they're seeing me or they're saying I'm stressed or I think that's really powerful too, to listen mm-hmm. to your kids. I had a mentor once say to me, if you really want to know how you and your mental health are doing, ask your husband and children because they'll mm-hmm. know even uh, if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I agree with you. Like, I think all of us have so much work we have to do that really it is digital these days. That's just the way life has gone, that we do have to deal with ourselves with compassion and awareness. On those bad days, you know, it doesn't mean we make excuses for ourselves, but just have compassion when we know we've failed because we do have a lot on our plates. It is not easy to be a mom, especially not a mom who's really trying to raise their children against the flow of what Mm -hmm. societies, Mm -hmm. we have a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you put the whole homeschool aspect onto mothering and homemaking and being that home steward. And you do feel that pressure that you're the one who's in charge of all this circus. It's not going well. That's going to reflect on someone and what they're doing or not doing. So there is a kind of pressure. And that's what I mean. And I try to do too locally is building that community of local moms. So how do you operate locally with your homeschool community to maybe put some safeguards in place for your own mental health or just those kind of friends that check up on how your homeschool's doing or yeah we've had a blessing of having an amazing tutorial in this area we have a very unique area with beautiful families and so that's where we've made a lot of our connections and honestly i love to go walking i go walking with them with my friends that i've made there and we've had nerf battles with a lot of the kids that were in tutorial and just kept up with them. Our tutorial, even for my oldest, did a prom a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, It was really cool. So yeah, I think having that companionship is really valuable. And if you don't have something local, we have the blessing of Zoom now. Mm -hmm. I also have a group of women who we meet every week and we pray together. And some are homeschooling moms, actually quite a few, and some are not. And but we just meet every week and lift each other up and just support each other and cry together and, you know, share our failures together and then encourage each other. And <laughs> it, it matters, even if it's digital. Yeah. So how do you and your husband connect? I know you touched on special needs and the high rate of divorce and those kinds of things. So as you're homeschooling and trying to maintain this holistic lifestyle within your home and family to raise your children up a certain way, how does that work with you and your husband and your relationship? That's a really good question. And especially because we also had the pressure of him deploying mm-hmm. for a long time or never knowing when he was going to suddenly have to be called up. We have done various things throughout the years. One of the techniques we used when he had a nine to five out of the house was that we would do something we learned. I can't remember which class, but it was a parenting class way back in the very beginning. And they taught about having couch time. And so we would sit down. He would text me once texting became a thing. Otherwise, I just <laughs> knew when he'd be home. And I would like make coffee or when the kids were little, we just simply sat on the couch when he walked in the door after he had a minute to catch his breath. And we would just talk for 20 minutes and we would let the kids play. And the kids knew you can be in the room, 
because they were little to hang out with us, but it's our time. And for them, that was stabilizing because we were prioritizing each other and kids want to know, even if they like to tease you when they're a little older, they want to know the parents (laughs) are connected and strong or their safety. Now with our little guy who's super disabled, but we have older, we walk. So we'll either put him in the stroller or sometimes the older kids will be like, oh, we'll just hang out with him. And we love to walk. We have a one mile loop in our neighborhood and we'll just walk it a couple times every day, catch up on how the day went. And it just gives us an opportunity. Sometimes we used to joke, we take the trash down and then the driveway as a date. (laughs) Been there. I've been there. Yes. Uh I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have to make dates happen. Mm -hmm. Be creative, be resourceful. Pre-COVID, we were able to do a lot more in the way of having grandparents come over at the time we had grandparents in town and they could hang out for an evening so we could go to the movies and go to dinner and every mm-hmm. couple of weeks we'd try to do that so you know just whatever suits your season of life make something mm-hmm. happen even if you drive around in the car with the kids in the back you play the kid music in the back and then you just talk in the front seat while you circle mm-hmm. the neighborhood a lot of times they're all strapped down yeah we go on lots of car dates like that or sunday drives i yes. love looking at different open houses. <laughs> so we would yeah. just go on Sunday afternoon and just look at open houses and the kids are like, oh, not another one. So they would sit in the car and <laughs> I'd go in and then my husband would go in and we'd talk about what we liked or what we didn't like. So yeah, there's always a creative way if because we have not had a lot of help ba- with babysitting with our kids or we don't have that structure. Amanda's fantastic. She's always there for me when I'm like, hey, can you hang out with this one for me? And it is true when you've got older children even that need someone to hang out with them. And some people just don't understand that. It's so wonderful to have Amanda's in your life (laughs) that do get it. Because yeah, as a mom with a child that needs help, we need extra help. So Katie, this has been such a fun conversation. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you would love to, to share before we close? I have really enjoyed talking to both of you so much. I wish I was neighbors with you. (laughs) Oh, we would love to have you. I'll look for houses for sale. You need to move again. It's a deal. Yes, I do get that itch to move because of my military life. I know. I would always say, I'm never moving again. I remember in fifth grade, we moved three times in that one year because my dad was actually getting out of the military that year. And so I was crying all all the time. I'm never moving. I'm never making my kids move. And my husband and I were on our third house and we've been married for 17 years. And every so often I'm like, I kind of want to (laughs) move. So I don't know. I'm a glutton for punishment sometimes. Katie, where can our listeners find you in your podcast? Yeah. So I'm on Apple and Spotify, Her Home and Heart. And then I have, I am still really working on my website. So I really only have a couple pages set up right now. Right now you can go to herhomeandheart.com backslash coaching. That's the one way you can really connect with me other than on social media, which I do receive messages. So you can message me on Facebook, Katie Keen. But I think just, yeah, through the podcast, I have all my links in the description too. So if you want to reach out, you can do it there. Excellent. Well, thank you for being here. And for our listeners, you can find us at goathomeschoolingpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and we will be back next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to suggest topics for us to discuss, or if you have any questions, find us at Goat Homeschooling on Facebook, on Instagram at Goat Homeschool, 
and email us at goathomeschoolingpodcast at gmail.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.